0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte.
1: Hello, everyone. Ahmed Fareed here along with Corey Robinson and Jack Collinsworth. We all got together about a week ago and we said, what does the world need more than anything? And we thought, you know what? A podcast, specifically podcast. a sports mm-hmm. podcast. Yes, this one with three dudes uh, talking about sports. But uh, you guys chime in here in a second. But the the idea that we're doing here is all things dot dot dot. And so what we're going to try to do is take a you know big general topic that's happening in sports and and break it down a little bit more and maybe explain different parts of it. Take a interesting look at one little sliver of it today. It's you know sports is back. We're seeing some of the sports rolling back, but. That's really the the big idea, Jack, is try to take something big and, and boil it down into the nitty-gritty. Let's
2: go do it. Let's go do it. Where do we begin? Where do we begin? Corey got me fired up with the return of, uh, he sent into our little group chat there, the return of surfing. So I've been watching oh. surfing videos all day. Corey, I appreciate it. Man, the, the edits are so day. sweet. It's, it's <laughs> so
0: sick. Are like, you a So she's now. Let me just a little background for you all. Okay. I love surfing. I spent a lot of time on the beaches of Hawaii like growing up because my dad played but then he had three months off. So I grew up like watching surfing, but I was never good enough. I could never actually get good enough surfing. So I'm just like this huge closet surfer fan. Like, I'm such a massive like fanboy. And like, think about the job. All you do is you chase sunshine. Like you just go. It's an endless (laughs) summer. You just travel around the world in those beautiful places and just get pitted. It's just sweet.
1: Well, the good thing is that surfing is kind of is is really coming back, and so we'll talk about that a little bit later on. But I, I do know that at some point in the next few weeks, we will talk about all things Notre Dame football or sports <laughs> you or nerding. I just it's on the internet. You're out, you're everywhere, Corey. So this is uh that's you dusting some Buckeyes.
0: Wow, that's cool. Right after that, I got tackled like two steps later. So it's not that interesting. <laughs> Yards after catch, though.
2: Yards after I'm, catch. I'm going to be honest. I thought that was Chase Claypool when he first pulled it up. So I think that's a testament to the biceps that Corey ultimately developed by the end of his career. Do you and still have those subsequently shoes? after.
0: No, that's why I'm wearing a long sleeve. I'm wearing this shirt so you can't Cover see it up my... now. Yeah. Um, you're,
2: you're gonna get, catch us up on your wardrobe today. I'm, I'm liking what's going on there. I'd like a little insight, bro. You know, I thought
0: to myself, I'm going to be on a podcast with two of the most fashionable dudes I know, you know? So I was like, I got to step it up. So I actually, I've been trying to get my quarantine fit down. I know this guy, he's obsessed with uniforms. So mm-hmm. I was like, I want to wear the same thing every day for the rest of my life. Like a cartoon character.
1: Yes. My wife has called me that. She was like, you keep wearing the same pants every day. You're, <laughs> you're like Homer Simpson. Uh, so, so you obviously went to Notre Dame. And look at
2: this. Back oh, in the boy. day. Whoa. You've ditched oh, that hair. boy. That's the. Uh, yeah. it looks like I got electrocuted in my feet. My hair just stood straight up like that, doesn't it? Uh, or you're like a I character in Zoe 101. It kind. It kind of does. It kind of does. Honestly, the funny thing about that picture is, so Joe Schmidt, who has the he has the whoop swoop and pull haircut going right there, you can see he's really just pushing it back right. to the side. Was was just a great ambassador for that specific haircut and was specifically talking me into growing it out during this interview. And that's that's the process right there, dude. You don't realize how long it's got to get. Before the whoops swoop and pull, actually whoops, swoops, and pulls. To be able to pull
1: it off. No. that's what I'm and, saying. And, and yeah, you did. Um, okay. Yeah. So so we're gonna do all things Notre Dame at some point. That is already uh that's already decided. But today we're gonna do all things sports are returning. Um, let me just get to uh and one of the big things was that you know, golf is back, and we saw it with NBC yeah. yesterday and, and, and the charity event, which was was really cool to watch and And, you know, any any sport that comes back right now, I feel like we're all we're all dying for it. But to see the guys out there, Ricky Fowler, Matthew Wolf, uh, Rory McIlroy, Dustin Johnson, carrying their own bags, wearing shorts, guys. Corey, I mean, it it just was kind of like, wow. All right. This is what we've been missing over the last 60 days.
0: It was so cool because I was talking to my dad about this. I was like, you know, one of my favorite memories in sports is like high school ball just because everything was so low tech, you know, there was just like this charming quality about it. And seeing these pros, they're number one in the world, former number one in the world, like these huge names that are legends, just like walking around having to force them. It, it was almost like, I don't know, like I think Bill Murray said they almost seem human. It was the most relatable thing I've ever seen in my life, and I just loved watching it. It made me want to go out there and play golf immediately. Yeah. Yeah,
2: yeah well, as soon I watched about an hour and a half of it, and then I drove straight to the golf course, and I played 18. So to Corey's <laughs> point... It really works. and You sound and, like Michael Jordan. You know, you you're finish you're the finals right. and you go play 18. You're damn right, except for I suck at golf and I suck at basketball. So those are <laughs> the only two differences. Uh, but but as soon as when – I, when I was watching it for a little bit, the first thing that kept popping into my mind is this is the future of 2020 sports. It's going to be a little bit like watching Twitch streamers, where it's half how good are you at the game and half how well can you entertain while you play. And I think the longer we go down this path of guys – with their four buddies out there mic'd up getting more and more comfortable the entertainment value will only rise as the comfort level rises with it.
1: Yeah, he's I gonna, think it's going to shoot through the roof. That's one of the that's one of the opportunities you have right now because and I think golf works in this capacity and and I think NASCAR does too to a certain respect it's, it's these sports that, you know, the crowd wasn't a huge part of the atmosphere. Of course it can be with golf and you see some of those tournaments where it's like you have that raucous crowd at the 17th green and I think that's actually something that golf should promote more of but uh, but but golf seems to be a sport where you you didn't totally miss that the crowd wasn't there. I think you miss it you didn't have a full body of golfers which we may get coming up in in June in an event in Texas but a golf kind of works in the fact that it it can be that sport where you don't you don't miss the crowd and of course you know they were able to do some amazing stuff and raise over 5 million dollars for the the different charities that they were supporting out there. Rory and Dustin ended up winning but they they're obviously staying careful and that's what you hear with all these these sports is that you know it, as safely as possible as safely as possible with golf it actually appears like that
0: is possible to do it in a, in a really safe fashion guys the one thing that i meant i thought was really fascinating was um in the new plan for the charles schwab challenge in, in fort worth next month um shout to texas it was really fascinating because they said the cat to be six feet apart and then during the broadcast for this you know i'm not a golfer myself i'm just a, like I like the idea of golf. It's in beautiful places and you get to go outside with your friends. Like the whole idea is very appealing to me, but I'm just not very good at golf. But I I thought it was interesting because they had to judge the distances themselves and they were playing on a a course without having a prelim round or a practice round. So they they were trying to figure out the greens in real time. They didn't have a local caddy to help them out. So I'm very excited to see like, how does that change the game? Like strategy. I've already played this course 20 times. I already know how the greens work. I think that's going to be really fascinating too, like giving players edges.
2: That's what I kept thinking. When's the last time these dudes carried their own bag? I mean, when's yeah. the last time Rory Mackerel hit a tee shot, walked back, got his bag, put it over his shoulders, and walked to the next? It just doesn't happen. Yeah. Like They're halfway to the hole. They're already walking down the hole. Uh, so I thought that was cool, but also it made it more personal because instead of everybody breaking off and having the conversation, the whisper with the caddy and strategizing, it's almost like their offensive coordinator a little bit where yeah. they're giving them the coordinates and then they're you know, providing the airstrike. Um, it, it was cool to where – You got to see them really before guys. There wasn't that caddy connection, so you could only talk to your mate, which was your competitor, uh, and that created a fun dynamic. I think think you'll see that through other sports, too, as we go.
1: I think so, too, Jack, but I'm a little skeptical in the fact, I mean, like, obviously, these players are guarded, right? And if it becomes more of the norm that we can just eavesdrop in at any point live, but you saw what happened in, in the NFL with Sam Darnold when he said, I'm seeing ghosts out there. But it was pretty ultimate
2: moment. But it was pretty. It I loved
1: it. You know, I loved the moment. But it's like then that you hear the Jets like, oh, they're never going to let their quarterback be mic'd up ever again. So it's like we've got to reach this point where the athletes are okay with it. It's like this. just becomes more of a norm. And maybe it'll happen at this time. It just becomes more of a norm, and the athletes are okay with different quotes coming out. And so when when one quarterback says that, it's
0: not as big a deal. I don't know. I'm going to disagree because look what happened to Kyle Larson, you know, in NASCAR. The guy is doing iRacing and he makes a racial slur and then he gets like, fired from his team, loses all his sponsors and he's suspended from the tour. The problem is that when you're in the heat of the moment of playing, and I'm not, definitely not going to say that I you know, like support what he said or anything like that or anything mm-hmm. like that. All I'm trying to say is that when you're in the heat of a moment, you intend to say things and you're just like, oh my God, did I just say that or whatever? And uh, when you're mic'd up playing football, when they put, you know, mic on me and pads, I was like, oh, snap, I really hope I don't say anything stupid, you know, or I really hope I don't, you know, curse right now. Like, you know, my dad is not the kind of guy who curses. So I was like, I really hope my mom's going to be okay with watching me play this game mic'd up. So I think that that's going to be the biggest issue is, you know, players can say some really stupid stuff out on the field and it's just awful sometimes. So.
2: I think I think you extend as we get back to the NFL. I think you extend that delay, that TV delay. It was about seven seconds or something right now. So maybe make it fourteen, maybe make it twenty-five, maybe make it thirty-five seconds. And there's not going to be any fans there to spoil it with the tweet. Delay that thing out. And, and, and I think as as viewers, listen, social media has broken down these walls. We we now we don't want to know who you want to present to the world. We want to know who you are. Who are you when you are at home and the door is shut? Who are you? And, and I think that's sort of times perfectly with the season that we're about to feel and experience. And whether you're beeping the big curse words or what have you, that's going to feel real. It's going to feel raw. It's going to feel like, honestly, in a lot of ways, like the XFL, except for instead of having a bunch of guys who have no fame, no notoriety of any kind, you have the most famous guys in the world with that kind of clear, uh, obvious path to who they are in the field. I think it's going to go absolutely banana land. It's going to be huge for the game. we just There's saw.
1: We just saw it too, Corey, with, with, with the last dance. And, and you're right, how the, the authentic personality is when you just let it fly, that can resonate, but you're also going to have to be okay with the backlash. And also, as a general public, we're going to have to like not backlash. If we really do want that, we're going to have exactly to pull, pull right. our jets a little bit on crushing people for what they say in the heat of the moment.
2: And who cares? Like Everybody said like Sam Darnold, that's going to define his career. He'll never hear it. Nobody talks. Like Who cares? Sam Darnold yeah. said he's seeing ghosts. He's a young quarterback playing against Bill Belichick. That's what he does to every quarterback. So it's not like it's breaking news that he's seeing ghosts on the sidelines. It's one of the most memorable moments of that season, in my opinion, in a positive way. I don't take it negatively at all.
1: Yep. Guys, what would you think of uh, what'd you think uh, a NASCAR coming back? So NASCAR is trying to do it careful as well. I don't know if you guys saw any of it. Uh, this is uh, part of what uh, they're trying to do. This was out of time, I think. Participants are not being screened for COVID-19, but will undergo temperature checks. As they enter Darlington throughout the day, drivers must isolate until they're called to their cars. Everyone, including crews, must wear a face mask, including drivers, at least until they they get in their cars. And so they did. And so the the drivers, the crews were all protected, either social distancing or, or wearing the face masks. Kevin Harvick was your winner. But but there's Darlington right there, guys. And like I said, with golf, you know, you don't always notice the gallery. And with NASCAR, I mean, you talk to NASCAR drivers, they couldn't tell you if there were fans there ever or not anyway. And I think as a viewer, the fan's not as much of a, of a element of the broadcast. And so I think it works for NASCAR as well here in this weird 2020 time that we're in.
0: And those photos are so crazy. I remember I saw the one that the New York Times posted, and it was just him, uh, Kevin, doing like the blowouts, the tire blowouts, and there was no one behind him. It was just like the most surreal post-apocalyptic vibe. I was like, man, this yeah. is wild. Uh, Yeah, but I I think that the thing about the car racing is I went to one Formula One race um, in my life, and like when you feel the motor like going through your bones, I've never felt anything like it. Like when they zip by, your entire body just shakes. It's almost like being in a packed stadium, you know, like in the big house or something. It's just the most exhilarating feeling, Um, and you got more of that with the broadcast because there was no crowd noise, right? It was just the roar of the motors. But I mean, I wish. That's like one of the cool things about the sport is being there and, and feeling that.
2: Sure. It's almost more about the safety of the crew than it is about the drivers. I mean, realistically, how, how many how many counties, how many places have gone, don't get in your car and go drive somewhere? You know, like I don't think there's any inherent danger with being alone in your car. Right. So from that standpoint, it's like there's no re- no reason to ever even pause NASCAR. But when you think about the crews, and, and I'm no NASCAR expert, I'm not gonna pretend to be. All I know is there's probably eight to 10 plus people in there that need to be close. Communication is key. But at the same time, they have the whole radio system to where I, I would think that standing six feet apart would continue the sport just like normal. And so the only question is, at what point do you let back in fans? And I think probably for all sports, that's minimal 12 months away.
1: Yeah. And I think that the idea for a crew is like if you've got to travel, they're going to do a couple right in a row here at Darlington. If you have to travel across the country and you've got hundreds of people in your sport always traveling, how safe is it to go across country right now? But I think you're right. And what, what do you guys think of this? Like when I was watching and I was like, man, if you could do this with a snap of the fingers, I think you'd do it for all the different sports. But if you could construct you know, a racetrack that didn't have all those empty stands or a baseball stadium that didn't have all the the seating, You would like now is the time that you would love to play in a stadium that has no seating because you wouldn't notice it at all. It's like I don't I don't know if that's like the future down the road. You have these isolated events that happen with no fans that you just build in these stadiums that that don't have the seating. And it might actually look normal. And you can think about how you would design a venue if you didn't have to worry about fans coming
2: in, if it was only a TV event. I think the scary thing with this med is that you're basically taking 2025. And I think a lot of things that, even companies that were going to be thriving in 2025 and everything, TV viewership, people showing up to the games as opposed to sitting on their couch and enjoying it in 4K uh, on their lazy boy with their family around where they can talk to them and click over to Red Zone and watch any which game, right? I mean, all those things were already happening. The at home experience was already greater than it's ever been. And now you're just accelerating it by saying, now you can't even go to the game. So the, yeah. real, the real question, the real debate here is, so if we do this for a full 12 months and then in a year you go, now you can go back, is it going to be 100% of the people that used to go or is now a 20%, a 30% of those people that go, you want to know what, man, I really like the lazy boy and my crew at home going to yeah. now stay back at home. Because selling tickets for a lot of these teams, especially the small markets, was already a bit of a challenge.
0: Especially in baseball, right? I mean, this is the question that baseball is trying to figure out is the media deals are just mind-blowing compared to what they were before. But every single year attendance goes down across the league. And I think what's going to end up happening is you have to think of these venues almost the way that like Madison Square Garden operates, right? Like it's a a venue for anything. And it's just like the Knicks play there, the Islanders play there, you know, Beyonce has her concerts there. It's just a venue. The rodeo Mm -hmm. comes there. And I feel like if you start looking at these stadiums and saying like a racetrack, why why can't like Bon Jovi play at a racetrack? Or like, why can't you have like racing simulators there and an arcade sure. there and people just go hang out there when there aren't races? You can just go to Disney World. You can just go to the amusement park. You can just go to the Yankee Stadium and hang out. Right. Um, I think that's the question that's coming into full focus right now. It's like, wow, maybe, yeah. How can we combat that lazy boy phenomenon?
1: Yeah, uh, so, so NASCAR is coming back golf's making its comeback here but w- with the downtime it really has given uh given rise to an opportunity for the documentary series and we saw it last night with the uh, conclusion of the of the last dance over on on espn which i i'll admit i haven't seen all of them i have not seen all 10 but i've seen most of them watch the the two last night and i do wonder if this is just a, a phenomenon about a lot of different things joining up if it's You know, no sports going on for two months. That didn't hurt. Um, And an iconic team with perhaps the most iconic athlete that we have ever seen. I don't necessarily think we're going to have this explosion of documentary series uh, taking off after this. But uh, this was certainly a a much needed uh, entertainment vehicle over the last couple months. And I don't know. Did you guys watch the last two of them?
2: Oh, yeah, Yeah, I have to. If I don't watch it,
0: I might not be able to stay in my house. Like we're a basketball family. What's (laughs) been the talk? What's been the
1: talk there, Corey?
0: Yeah, I mean, live and direct from San Antonio. Um, It's funny because it's almost like watching it. I think I said this before, maybe it's just it's like watching it with Wikipedia,
1: you know, Mm -hmm. because
0: everyone else is like taking it face value. But then I know someone who was there. Yeah. So like all the dream team stuff, I just turn over and ask my dad on the couch. I'm like, hey, did that actually happen or what was your opinion on the bus when you guys came back from practice? Like, what were you doing? You know, like so that was really neat. So I got to fact check the whole series, which was sweet. For well, those yeah, I mean, was a how job. did it, no, it no, fact no.
2: out, man? Hold up. How did the fact check out? <laughs> Look, man, what happens if San Antonio stays in
0: San Antonio? They're a family, you know, keeping the family. <laughs> but I will say this, though, Jack. What was crazy is that, you know, my dad was trying to explain to me how big Michael Jordan was. You know, like I didn't really get it. He said, Corey, when we were in 92 with the Dream Team, like it was like the Beatles. And I said, I don't I don't believe you. Right. Like I've traveled with different teams around the world. And I went to the Olympics and I was just in China um, last year when the Lakers played the Nets, So I was in China with LeBron James and Anthony Davis. And, you know, so like I've seen those guys around fans, but wow, like seeing it in first person and hearing my dad's stories. I'm like, you guys really were the Beatles. Like Dennis Rodman has like, is hanging out with Carmen Electra and going on WWE stuff.
2: And like Michael can't even go outside. Like, this is crazy. See, celebrity meant more then though. Like the the pre the pre so so let's 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 really get into this. So that once once social media hit, you got all the behind the scenes stuff. Before that, you only saw these guys for these brief glimmering moments. The Michael Jordan is like when he would walk out onto that stage, or if he would walk out of that locker room for a second, or out onto the court. That was it. That was it. That was all the Michael Jordan that you got. And so these guys just be it's Michael Jordan, Michael Jackson, the Beatles, all those guys the celebrity then was just a different level that I think our generation has a tough time comprehending. 100%.
1: And people, mid- yeah. And people say that too Corey. They go they go, "Man, Jordan was able to build this brand and be so popular before social media." And I think you're I think it was because it was before social media. You didn't you're have right. that competition from every human literally on earth being able to to promote themselves on TV and so this team was was aided by the fact that yeah there wasn't a whole lot of different entertainment options, but they were they were dynamic personalities too though I mean they they really cool. were they were different and that was at a time that it was certainly embraced and uh, they were they were worldwide rock stars and to a point that I don't think that you'll you'll ever see them again as popular as LeBron James is across the world it, it's just too much competition out there for him to be at the level that Jordan was back in the nineties.
0: I was just saying, but think about who you're playing against in the 90s. I was just doing some, like, research, and my dad was just on this talk. Like, it's a great um video on NBA, but, like, um, on their Instagram. But he was on a Zoom call with all the 90s legends, right? And, like, the, the amount of Hall of Famers that played, it, like, the Utah Jazz had two of the best players, like, the 50 greatest players playing at the same time. That's two Hall of Famers. But get this, you also had three Hall of Famers but playing for the Bulls at the same time. You also had, you know, Akeem Olajuwon in Houston. Just they were unbelievable. They had a Hall of Famers. And you also had, you know, Gary Payton and those John Camden. Like every team had a couple of Hall of Famers. It was just like mind-blowing.
2: Yeah, you're right. I, I gained so much respect, too, because again, back to our generation. I knew Steve Kerr as the coach of the Warriors. He was Steph Curry's coach, Clay Thompson's coach, Draymond mm-hmm. Green's coach. That's who he is to me. Uh, I Just how about his dad? I mean, so his dad yeah, goes over crazy. into the middle East after his predecessor had just been kidnapped, what, two days before that. And now he shows up to work. I mean, can, can you imagine the courage? Can you imagine what his family's going through? And then, and then the same, I mean, that for him to then get murdered and Steve Kerr to just go all in on basketball. And, and it was one of my favorite producing moments. To some degree, it's been a little frustrating, get sort of getting zoomed back into, you know, 10 years prior. Now, now we're back in the 90, 1988 season. I'm, Sometimes I find myself like almost feeling like I'm weeble wobbling watching the thing. It takes me five minutes to get back into this story uh, narrative, if you will. But I thought that was one of the coolest ones they did when they took you back, yeah. really taught you who Kerr was, and then they brought you right back into the national anthem. And all of a sudden you see him in the national anthem and you knew he just told you he's thinking about his dad in that moment. Boom, now we're into this massive playoff game. That that was one of the great producing moments of the last dance for me. It, it,
1: it was emotional. I mean, there were there were so many powerful moments, I think, throughout the, the whole series. But you guys didn't like the jumping timeline because you guys weren't alive when it was happening. And so you really did need to go back. You're right. Because see- we don't know. Yeah, I, and we I think that really was, yeah.
2: We just don't know it. it. I needed yeah. the educational process as much as I needed the entertainment process. Yeah. 100%. I was waiting
1: for the uh, the Jordan with the flu game and guys we we ended up finding out it was Jordan who ate bad pizza game I don't know that's not a that's not an actual picture of the pizza that he but it could have been like uh, the way they described it five <laughs> dudes showing up in Utah serving a pizza that poisoned Michael Jordan so that we've learned a lot of new things and that was new that he was poisoned by pizza. At at least, that's what he's he's telling everyone. he drank
2: two beers on the day of the Game Seven game. Two (laughs) beers and smoked a cigar. Then smoking, but it had to be the pizza. But it had to be the pizza (laughs) guy. Couldn't have been anything else.
1: Um. So I took that away too, and then I also took away the fact that I mean, look at these suits, guys. Did you guys uh, did you guys know this was the style back in the day? I mean, Corey, you've seen a lot with your dad. Wearing suits, which is amazing to me, as giant as all these basketball players are, and your father included there, Corey, that they could find suits that made them look small.
0: <laughs> Maybe that was the whole point. Now I think about it. You know, That's you get the true. big boxy things and they look like normal people. That's it's true.
2: Like, how, how did we go from suits that were, look like SpongeBob to suits now that are just painted on us? Does anybody yes. understand that?
1: I'm glad we did, though. I'm I, like, a, like this polo right here that I'm wearing, Jack, probably a size too small, but it look, makes it look like I work out.
0: And so I'm I'm in on the trend.
1: I'm totally in.
0: I, I go big fit. I have to have a big fit. Like look at the old like George Armani ads and stuff from the '80s, and it's just so everything's perfect. They they look like Michael Jordan in that documentary with the berets and all that it'll stuff. It'll come it's back.
1: Sweet. It'll come back. I mean, Corey, that's 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 the style that's going to be here in the next five years, too. So trendsetter uh, for Corey. So this also came out of it, looking at an iPad, which I feel like is a is a of function of a documentary that we're going to see. Throughout time now, just being able to look at what other people say about you and then
2: reacting in real time. It was smart. That was invented here. It, it was really smart. I, I created some of the best moments of the MJ interviews easily, uh, specifically from that last episode when he got to hear what the owner uh, thought about breaking up the team. And he, he makes it clear that he had never heard any of that before and really had no clue yeah. why they didn't get to go try for a seventh. Uh, pretty damn revealing. That if MJ says he could have got Pip and could have got all the guys back to go make a seventh run, that means he could have. That means that finances weren't a part of it. And from what I understand about uh, the the Bulls owner or whatever the heck his name is, Ryan 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 whatever. he's a pretty cheap guy and he went kind of the cheap route and he's been rebuilding ever since.
1: I love the fact, Corey, that every time they pulled out the iPad, Jordan's like, I mean, you can show me. I already know. I, I don't whatever it is. It's like I don't believe it you can show me like every single time that this is, this is why
0: i love i'm telling you i love like watching these legends because the thing about so yeah how can i say this basically basketball is a game of like deep respect right so the thing is you, you have to understand the history then you also have to understand like the lineage and you have to understand the legends who come before you you have to pay everyone homage and do respect like when these guys go to events Like everyone, you have to go to Bill Russell, you have to say, hello, Mr. Russell, even like the legends call Bill Russell, Mr. Russell, right? Like there's like this whole beautiful, like deep tradition about it. But the thing that is really funny is that at the same time, you have the most ultra competitive people in the world. So like everything is just like, yeah, we could have won a seventh. We could have won an eighth. We could have won a ninth. (laughs) We could have had three three three-peats. Like it's it's, just like that level of unbelievable confidence. It's you know, such
2: but a good then, point. So, so, Corey, now does every star player in the world become an asshole after watching what Michael Jordan did and the way he led and pushing the guys, and jabbing, talking trash? Are we now going to see just a, a bunch of a-hole superstar guys come in on teams? Is that what? How does your dad take his edge, his attitude?
0: Well, I mean, let me let me just reiterate what I said. Right, Let's yeah. a game of respect. So, I would never right. call Michael Jordan any name whatsoever, other than yeah. Mr. Jordan. You know. So, for me, like, the, the, like I said, the thing that we learned from this documentary is that winning has a price. And like we said earlier in this, in this pod, right? Like, are you going to be okay with whatever you said that, you know, to motivate your guys in practice being released 30 years later, and then having the flack that comes with it. Um, That's the reality of what's going to happen in the future. But like Michael Jordan was a killer. He was an assassin. Right. And you saw that mentality. And, but the thing is that everyone is like that at that level. So Carl Malone, John Stockton, those guys were assassins, right? The bad boys, they were assassins. Like, uh tim duncan my dad like all those guys there's like there's cold-blooded killers so that is um i don't know man it's just like i said it's just like a deep respect for the craft of the game like look at the way kobe approached basketball you know what i'm saying but, but it was like, like just, mike
2: it was like yeah, mike, i mean right? it was
0: just like obsession like you just like an obsession that is just beautiful but um yeah. I don't pump. know.
1: I, I think there are rules to this whole thing, Jack, and I think you have to be at a certain level, and maybe you have to be at the top of your game to be able to get away with it. Because if you're the third best player on your team, acting like Michael Jordan, that's probably not going to fly. So, so who else can really, you know, pull it off league wide than the best player, top five player in the league? It's like what what he did might have been just unique to
2: to him. But but yeah. think about every young great basketball player in the world. Forget about the United States in the world who is going to watch the last dance and go, how did the greatest ever do it? Oh, he was like this with his teammates. I mean, he, to to his credit, and don't get me wrong. I freaking love it. I love it. I have no issue with it whatsoever. Steve jobs did the same thing. And he's one of the most accomplished human beings on earth. We still are where we are as a, as a world because of what Steve jobs did, but he was an a-hole. He was an a-hole, but he got the most out of every employee uh, and to some degree, Mike took the same approach, but he got the most out of every single teammate and took them to places they never would have went without him. But I, I think like that they I didn't different. like
1: it as much, Corey. I didn't like it as much being from Michigan. I'll be honest with you. I <laughs> <laughs> didn't. I didn't freaking love it. I did not freaking love it.
0: <laughs> yeah, just there me. are different ways to lead. You know, I think there are different ways to lead, and you can see that this is just one way to lead. Yeah. yeah. Um,
1: So so we got our fill of of documentaries there, guys. And coming up next, we got one on the Golf Channel two with Tiger, the Tiger Slam. Um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with uh, the story. I mean, this was like a 10 month span, I think is what it was. Here's what the press release says about Tiger. So uh, hopefully some of the momentum can carry over because I know a lot of the people over at golf channel worked really hard on this. And you talk about dominant athletes who people still are super curious to find out more about, even though we know a ton or we think we know a ton. I mean, you can put, throw Tiger Woods in that category
0: for sure. Absolutely. Tiger. I mean, This is is what I was thinking about. I think me and Jack talked about this briefly over like on an Instagram live or something. Like there are certain players who just capture the imagination of an entire generation, right? Or of a sport. And like every sport needs that. And I think that's one of the things that NASCAR is missing right now. Like they don't have a, like a Jeff Gordon anymore, right? But like golf needed Tiger. Tiger made golf totally mainstream. Like I even started watching golf because of Tiger, you know what I'm saying? Um, And everyone wanted to be like Michael Jordan. Everyone wanted to be like Tiger Woods. So uh yeah, man, like I can't wait for that documentary.
1: And I think it and I was thinking about this too. I was like, how do you like you have to care? People have to care about the characters, right? And every sports worried about that. And you just brought up NASCAR, Corey, because I think that people cared about Jeff Gordon and and Tony Stewart and some of that, and they've had a harder time caring about some of these athletes here today. It's like, how do you how do you build that? Like if you're if you're trying to go out and promote a league, how do you get people to care about who these people are on the court, off the court, on the field, off the field. It's super difficult. And I think that I don't know that there's anyone out there that really knows how to outside of just being excellent at what you do, which is what Jordan and Tiger have done. But how do you get people to care so much about these, these players? But there are a few that, that just, rise above and transcend everything. And Tiger and Jordan are
2: are two of those. I I think Jordan said that best though, didn't he? When he he was, everybody was talking about how'd you market the Jordan shoes and how'd you sell this amount of apparel and how'd you build this brand and what it is like, like, nothing to do with what I was doing, what video is there. It was my game, man. I won six championships, three in a row, twice. Like there's, and it's the same with Tiger Woods. I mean, he was just cleaning up on the major circuit year after year after year. That does it for yourself. I mean, when, you, when you're trying to convince the masses, uh, you know, millions and millions and millions of people to follow one person or one sport, I mean, it takes extraordinary stuff, and you can't recreate extraordinary. There's only one Tiger Woods. There's only one Michael Jordan. Agreed. It's super rare, yeah. It's
0: super rare.
1: All right, so baseball is trying to come back, to guys. This is from Ken Rosenthal over at The, at the Athletics. So they released a 67-page document. This thing is freaking nuts, dude. I mean, there's so many, there's so many things. And, and you look at it and you you appreciate it. Like part of you says, wow, we're going overboard. And here's how it's changed for me, guys, is that a couple months ago when you know we first went to quarantine and we it was uncertain like how long this was going to take. I was like, let's just let's just wait until things kind of return to normal, at least 90% of normal, to get our sports back. Because you know, a lot of people say like sports is a good distraction. And I actually think that sports is better when life is good. You know, I I don't want to just have this miserable life and then just be distracted by sports for three hours. I kind of like it when life is good and we have sports, both of them. But part of me is thinking like, okay, this might be an extended thing. It might go to the end of the year. It might go through next year. And who knows? It could go the year after that. And so I do appreciate that Major League Baseball is thinking like, okay, if this is going on for an extended period of time, we got to figure something out. And here's 67 pages of what we figured out.
0: And it's the hardest lot. thing is, yeah. The hardest thing I'm at though is like we, 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 the one thing that I think has been consistent, um, and that we've learned in the past two months is that every day something new happens, right? Yeah. So it's like the, it's the issue is like, yo, we put together a 67 page document and this is what we're going to do right now, but two weeks from now, we could, like, who knows? Who knows yeah. what's going to be the the, the
2: the thing? So it's just Dude, like a learning that. adapt,
1: yeah, yeah.
2: Forget about two weeks, two hours from now. We may have to re, 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 uh, you know, burn this document, and start over. The t- things that I saw, though, okay, you can't spit. That's the new rule they're going to put. So no yeah. sunflower seeds, no chewing tobacco. You can't spit. Well, half the league already can't swing their bat if they can't spit. So they shouldn't have been
1: spitting anyway. I mean, like, Maybe let's cut it out. Twenty twenty. Let's keep it in your keep it in your mouth. No other sport has to do. It. Basketball players are football. like, I can't are you play kidding me? no spit. spitting
2: in football? Come That's on. That's true. It's like not you can't. That, you can't yeah. Sports, no by their nature, is this just this sort of savage zone for yeah. guys to go be dudes? And if you're going to tell them they can't spit, I mean, it is going to be physically impossible for three unprecedented times
1: time. You've yeah. got to make giant sacrifices, Jack, and that may include not hawking a loogie
2: on the field. Wait till you see Week One and how much. Spit <laughs> okay, so now you can't shower after the game. So yeah, what do, you do? go get on the plane, stake into the high heavens. That'll be that'll be real good too. Yeah. Yeah, What are you going to do if you get sick on the road? They said they're going to have a quarantine zone in each facility. So what if I'm playing in in Minneapolis for the weekend, whatever it is, Cincinnati for the weekend, and I get sick in Cincinnati? You're going to leave me there? You're not going to take me on the team playing with everybody else? You're going to get a private jet to take me back? How are you going to keep guys from going out on the road? You're on a three-game road trip. You're telling me the guys aren't going to go out? Good luck. I, it's impossible
1: it really is impossible I give I give them credit for trying and you're right I mean they're gonna have to be nimble and things are gonna change and they're gonna be positive tests and how do you navigate that but um Alex Rodriguez caught some heat for just telling the players and owners to go out there and make a deal and and get it done but you know I think that's the sentiment of a lot of fans out there guys did you see Blake Snell though the pitcher of the Tampa Bay Rays did you see, hear her, his comments on uh, on Twitch, he's a big-time gamer, and so he was playing over at Twitch, and one of the fans was like, hey, man, just buck up and go out there and play for the, the rest of us schmoes out here that would love to see some some actual live sports. And he said that he doesn't want to do it. He doesn't want to do it necessarily at the 50-50 revenue split that we've, we've seen out there. And so of all the sports, I think baseball might have the hardest time getting back on the field because of the relationship with the, the players and the owners. It's a little contentious, I think, in the NFL. It has been but I think nothing compares to the the battle that we may see between the players and the owners in baseball. I don't know.
0: Yeah. I think, so there's always like this kind of running joke, I guess, well, at least when I was playing football, where like everyone wished they played baseball because you just make crazy money. There's no salary cap. Mm-hmm. Guaranteed. And you don't, you don't get hit. And it, what? And you don't get hit. Yes. Yeah. I mean, and you, and you don't really get hit right and You can I mean, spit. You get smack yeah. with a 99 mile per hour fastball, but that doesn't really happen too, too often. Right. But I, the thing that is so interesting here is this, this idea of, what, so basically what consideration does this like creating a rule in a pandemic? Does that then change the rules forever? Like, you know, like what we're talking about later is surfing. They're changing the way the titles are are being won, you know, to adjust to a lot of different things. But one thing is because of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if the baseball, like, you know, guys in the league are just wondering like, man, if we sign this deal, first of all, we signed a deal in March that they're going to do pro rated salaries for every game played. And then two months later, they hit us back with a 50 50 revenue split like that after we just signed a deal with you guys. And then he's that they're thinking maybe in the future, what if this thing stays and now we, we got a salary cap um, yeah. that, that that's probably, you know, a very scary aspect. for well, there's guys.
1: Just, Yeah. And there's not that trust, right? I mean, that's the problem here is that they don't have that trust. And some of the leads who go, okay, this is unprecedented times. This is going to be a one-time thing. We don't feel like the owners are going to hold this against us in future negotiations, but they've, that trust is broken down. So there could be some, some, battles there between the players and and owners that may make it tough to get on the field outside of the fact that it would be tough. Anyway, Jack, what do you think about what does this mean for the NFL and and for colleges out there? So this is from Judy Bautista earlier today. You know, they're trying to think of ways that they can get some of the players back, but they don't want to rush it either. I mean, what does this whole thing look like for football that's had the benefit of, of time here?
2: Well, the hard thing is, so you just mentioned a baseball is going to have trouble. I mean, think about baseball on the field. It's the only sport, really, where you have natural social distancing occurring. Everyone's about at least six feet apart, other so, than maybe the, the <laughs> other than maybe the hitter in the yeah, gutter. So- <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, every, everybody's spread out. And I think you can manage the dugout. You say, you know, you give everybody – it's like almost going back into, into PE when you're in middle school. You give everybody a little star to stand on. And it's like you have to stay this certain amount apart. I think you can manage both those things. Football – I mean, these guys are going to line up, put their hand in the mud, two inches across from each other, and then go face-to-face. Yeah. I mean, yeah. every ounce of spit, snot, everything everything you could possibly think of is going to be exchanging back and forth as these guys are hitting each other throughout the course of the game. Not to mention, instead of there being however many guys are on a baseball team, now you're up to 53. That makes it super difficult, 100%. And now, now you start including the coaches. Now you may be over 100. You go coaches, trainers, essential personnel – referees not to mention as you get into coaches and as you get into referees you have guys that are older and guys that are going to be in those at-risk spots so i i I really think the risk with regard to football probably is more so for coaches and for refs than it is for players Uh, and i think for that reason here's here's my big reason why i think football comes back owners have already made clear they want to play players if you say listen we can sit out and pay you nothing or you can play with some risk i think you know a very, very, very high percentage of the players are going to say, I'm young, I'm not in the risk zone, I want to play. And so if you have owners, league, and players all on the same page, there's going to be some form of football in the fall, I would think. I
0: think the the big thing that Adam Silver said right about the NBA, he said, anything that we do right is going to have some level of risk to it, but we're mm-hmm. just going to have to get to a place that we're all comfortable with it. And I think that's like how that's what's happening with Bundesliga. That's what's happening with you know golfers we're starting to see and baseball with a 67 page document. Like everyone's just trying to figure out, okay, what risk are we all willing to accept? Um, and that's a very tough question because there's a whole, like you said, there's a whole different level of risk profiles. People with ex- pre existing conditions, people don't want to get their family members sick. Um, that's the right
2: one, Corey, isn't it? Like, I mean, yeah, I mean, I'd be, be terrified. Would you play, would you play tomorrow? And, oh, man, I. Uh, let's it's, say let's I, say you're in college and you're not seeing your family would you play if i was in college
0: look i think for me personally i would say you know this is a global health crisis i don't mind sitting out you know because this is you know it's it's, it's not like a like a what is it called like a strike because of a salary cap like this is I think something that's killing people right so of i would course. prioritize safety first and foremost but you know then again i'm also not getting paid to do this and this isn't my livelihood and i understand that these guys are making millions of dollars and that's why it's almost kind of like ridiculous because it's like hey just chill out everyone but then i also understand too that um i think a lot of these guys are cuz you don't get paid in the off season right and then what happens is you you basically yeah. i just understand that some of these guys need the paychecks in order to you know it's, pay the bills that they thought they were going to have you it's know it's individual so I,
1: Corey, I i agree 100% you know? it's it's individual because Here's the deal. It's like a million dollars to a person that is, has a hundred million dollars. They're going to choose to to keep themselves safe and their family members safe. If they if you have that choice and it doesn't mean anything to you, the money, it's like that. That's where I think that, you know, you you see these comparisons and you're like, why well, want a baseball player to go out there and play for five hundred thousand dollars? When you have people that really have to go to their job, that are essential workers yeah, and they're absolutely. making a fraction of that but it really does come down to a, to a personal choice. And, and if you have a comfortable lifestyle and you have the ability to sit out for a year or whatever, then you can't begrudge someone for making that choice. If, if they aren't necessarily in need at that point But what you but just I think mentioned I mean, is
2: rare. That's, that's rare. I mean, what we just yeah. learned in the most recent CBA is that the vast majority of the league is in that 500 K range. I mean, they're, they're in that range and it's not like they're making 500 K from, 20 until they're 50 they're making 500k from 20 for most cases until they're about 23 maybe 25 backs if they're lucky and so i mean what you're referring to are the quarterbacks is aaron Rodgers? could he sit this one out and take a vacation year hell yeah he could he'd probably enjoy it uh tom brady could he do this absolutely uh russell wilson absolutely there's there is that group but i mean you're talking about maybe five percent of the league that is in that zone everybody else is trying to trying to pay their rent
0: yeah, and I think Jack makes an interesting point because it's not about, because obviously, like there are people who are like the frontline workers and people who are essential workers, people who have to go expose themselves, you know, in, in really tough environments for their job or, you know, to get that to pay the rent. So I, they are my heroes. But let me be clear though, as well, like just to throw the other side of it, the athlete perspective, Jack hits it on the head. It's not about the money, right? It's not about like, okay, half a million dollars versus 40 million or whatever. It's about the earning potential years and the fact that. Like if you burn a year when you only have three years, that is a, a really scary thing because there's no guarantee that you're going to get that year back. And I think a lot of guys like they are, are very scared just because I like think about it like Jack, you know, like he hits it on the head. It's a two and a half year average career in the NFL. Yep. And I mean, if and then like even your stars like Todd Gurley got released. <laughs> the Rams. Like when I read that, I was like, what? You know, like there are just things that like even like no one is no one is safe. So right, yeah. the, the, the thing that like, man, like you are going to release like Leonard Fournette, he's not getting his fifth year option. You're like, you're going to let one of the best running backs that I've ever seen in college walk, you know, like it's so scary. So I think that that is the biggest question for these guys. They're weighing that that one year. How much is that worth? Most
2: there's, are there's no perfect preparing. solution. Right. I mean, there, there, everyone, everyone understands that at this point, it's either we all stay in home for 12 months, for 15 months. And when nobody goes anywhere, nobody sees anybody. And we come back out and there's no country left. I mean, there's no economy. Nobody's making money. Nobody has a job. Nobody has anything. Or there's some risk. We all understand that. But with testing, with the ability of social distance, with all of the tools that we've learned, mitigate some of that risk. Um, So there is going to be risk when we put these guys back on the field. But like we're seeing with other people, if you own a bar down the street, if you own a restaurant, you're going I have to keep my lights on or else there's going to be no life worth coming back to. I think the vast majority of that league that Corey's describing, that 500 K range, but for short period of their life is going, I have to play. Yeah. I have to play. It feels like. like yeah. Yeah,
0: Yeah. And think about Jack too. Like a lot of these guys, you don't have the time to, to get like, you know, an internship or to work other jobs. Right. So this is your life. So if you're 26 years old and you get released from a team and your only work experience has been football, um, You have no other hard skills. Uh, how long do you think it will take to make up, you know, any like, like making $500,000 from that perspective moving forward is like, you might spend the rest of your life trying to make that money back. So it's, I think a lot of these yeah. guys feel that urgency. And they're like, dude, like I this is maybe the only time in my life I could make this much money. And I could get my entire family out of a scenario. Like, I, like you said, like, I, I almost have to play it. But then at the same time, too, it's like, I don't want to endanger my family that I'm trying to. Raise Boy, out think of
2: if they don't sign it, right? Think, think if they don't sign it. The rest of the league plays, let's say 90% of the league plays, 10% sits out. If that player sits out and now tries to come back in 2021, you know what's going to happen? His spot's going to be gone. Any of those middle of the pack guys, if you try to sit out a year and now come yeah, back, you, you just lost your job. Yeah. These guys know that.
1: It, yeah. It's and it's all like That's a good point. It's all risk assessment, right? Which we as humans are really bad at doing like it's we're we're not good at at, at judging I mean because right now what's the what's the risk of of catching it if I do catch it what's the risk of me having some serious effects on it what's the risk of me as an NFL player missing a year if I'm a guy that's only going to be in the league for two years that's a huge risk because you guys mentioned you're earning potential past that is a a question mark and so it, it it all comes down to to risk assessment and that's what every individual is trying to do right now in every sport it's like how much risk are we willing to take? And what is our risk? By playing, by not playing, by all those different things? And that's why it's so difficult because I think we're we're not great at it. Players are preparing to come back into the league. Ben Roethlisberger has trimmed his beard. So it does seem like guys, <laughs> yeah, that it's players just, are ready to time. come
2: back. Man. It's a big back. point. Before we before we move on from that, it's so I think it's worth noting that we've had, you know, five guys on that are all probably three NHL, two NFL. Um you know, guys from every league that have come on, even college guys, and I've asked them straight up, would you be willing to play? And not one yet has said no.
1: Hmm.
2: And, and when you mentioned the risk assessment that we're all doing, the reality of what everybody keeps talking about is that there is different assessment based on age, based on your pre-existing conditions. And for a lot of these pro athletes, they're they're not high risk they understand that. And so their answer to me, I would say four out of five times, five out of five times has been that specifically. Uh, So I think that's the the inner thought process that we're dealing with right now. Sorry, Ben Roethlisberger. No,
1: Corey, before we go, surfing is back. Surfing is back. (laughs) Hold on, I got a picture. I think this is in France right here. And so uh...
0: so it's really interesting because so I guess I've been trying to get into I'm like a closet surf fan. I love yeah. surfing. And there's the, the World Surf League, so the WSL Tour. They got, they postponed all of their events in March, right? Um, through June. And uh, the first update for the new, you know, for the new tournament is the 2020 uh, championship season. That update's coming out June 1st. But what's really fascinating is you're seeing around the world, all the beaches starting to open up. And France was one of the last like beaches in, you know, the European bastions to open up. So Spain, Port- Spain Portugal, France, Tahiti, LA, Hawaii, like everything's like firing. And everything's open which is really interesting because like i said so now talking about like social distancing you're in the middle of the water right so like, i feel like you're straight there but the issue is that everyone's traveling internationally so that's like the main right. reason right it's like how do you getting there yeah you're you're traveling 150 plus days out of the year and everyone's international the best surfers in the world are from australia you know america hawaii uh brazil like literally all of france like everywhere so um what happens with quarantine what happens if someone like tests positive like there's all these crazy things like that's really kind of shook the league but one interesting note that has come out of it was that the uh the whole title like race has changed now last year there was a great surf off between the two best surfers in the world um medina and Ferreira, right um and it was like so like gripping That the only thing that people kind of related it back to was one of the best rivalries in the history of the sport of surfing, which is um, Andy Irons and the best surfer ever, Kelly Slater. Right. So like now they change the entire way that they're going to do the titles instead of just doing a point system where you might actually surf a heat. And then you're sitting on the beach to find out what the other guy scored, um, see if you won the title or not. Or you could win the title, you know, halfway through or whatever, depending on your point total. Um, Now it's going to be you got to win in the water. And Mm -hmm. I think that's going to really make surfing more interesting to watch. Um, because right now it's like a seven hour track. Meet. So I wanted to ask you guys, like, as far as like sports to watch, I think surfing and lacrosse and probably like rugby. Right. Are like the only like sports that I think are growing at such a rapid pace. Because if you watch any surf movie from the 60s or 70s, like the legends like Duke or Greg Knoll, all they do is get up on a wave and ride it. But if you watch like Kelly Slater and those guys, it's all about turns like they're you know, they they surf like they skate. Yeah. Um, and then you watch these guys within 2005 to 2015, watch like John, John Florence's movie, dude, they're doing backflips. Like everything's in the air. So like the game is rapidly changing. It's not just like putting a three point line in basketball. Like the game is like fundamentally changing every 10 years. It's unbelievable.
1: We're losing. I, hey Jack, we're losing Corey to the surf championships. He's going to become a pro surfer
2: in one year. I'm convinced <laughs> of it now. I, honestly, Corey would destroy it as a pro <laughs> surfer. He, he really would. Did, uh, did surfing ever stop? I feel like back to our baseball point, that seems like a very natural sport for distancing among the competitors.
0: Yeah, it did. So, it I mean, I think LA, L.A. was closed for like six weeks. Tahiti was closed for like eight weeks. I mean, it, yeah, it, it stopped for a while.
1: All right, hold on, hold on. I've
0: got some breaking news right here. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. I got a oh! picture. <laughs> man, look at that. See, my, my surf dreams. This is all man, where are comes a boat.
2: Look at the size of that boat he's got behind
0: him. Yeah, so my dad's seven foot, right? Seven foot one, and like my board maybe board bigger fifteen. Was, that's what I was saying. I was like, "Why did they give me the biggest board?" I'm like, "I'm six five. Look at how the, wide is the it? longer. So this
1: is what I learned. I lived in Virginia Beach for like uh like five years, and this is the one thing I took away. Oh, actually, two things. Surfing is very difficult. If the waves are too big, you can't even get out there. At least I couldn't. It was you got to pay the price of admission. They told me, and I couldn't pay the price sometimes. But the longer the board, the easier
0: it is to get up on the wave right? So, yeah. so I'm the worst your, surfer. Your, your dad was showing <laughs> off. No, I'm just
1: saying your dad was showing off.
0: <laughs> no, yeah, he, he's very, I mean, he's very talented. He's one of the best athletes, you know, I guess ever, but it was really interesting because, um, so like with the longboarding and stuff, right. It's like one of the, like the most cool, like stylish sports ever. If you watch those people, there's walking up and down the, you know, the beach on these little rollers. It's gorgeous. But like I said before, like Jack, there was a, this guy, Kyle, Lenny. he did a 360 on a 40 foot swell. Like Stuff like that is just unbelievable. I think it's one of the, the greatest, newest, like, sports that are, like, really changing a lot. So I'm really, really stoked about it.
2: And So they're basically giving them points for a trick. Is it almost like sk- becoming, like, skateboarding a little bit where we may see a 900 at some point or we may see a 540? Like, is that where it's going?
0: Dude, it's just wild. Like, the fact that he – because, like I said, you watch Greg Noll. if I use, like, Google Greg Knoll, um Big Wave Surfer. Like, literally, all they do is they just get up and then make a turn, right? They turn left and then just ride it. This guy, he has to get towed in on a jet ski. So he's riding aboard. He gets towed in on a jet ski on a 40-foot wave. And then he rides the wave and does tricks on the wave, like this madmen. These guys are just – they're just it's legendary.
2: Amazing. I mean, he's got to be ripping, like, 60 miles per hour down the face. I mean, easy, right? Like, if you fall, could you imagine 40 feet
0: of water and then you're smashing into the reef? That's just – madness and, and then the do, amount of
2: time that you're going to be underwater before you get your next breath and there's nothing you can do other than just relax like you just have to like try to meditate because you're down there for about 45 <laughs> seconds before you figure out which way up and you have to have confidence that at some point you'll
1: emerge once again yeah.
2: and be alive when you do that i
1: don't I, no thank you i can't do it I, I can't sign up for but i do wonder i do wonder though it's like all these, sport, these sports that are continuing to, to happen the first ones that come back like like nascar is nascar going to gain some new fans because they're out in a time when there's not a whole lot of competition. And, you know, I was kind of curious, and maybe we'll talk about it, go in depth on another all things dot, dot, dot about esports. I thought this really was the opportunity for esports. I don't know if it will end up being that way, and that's kind of interesting to see why maybe some will take off and some won't, but surfing could be one of those things. Um, certainly getting your own haircut is one of the guys. <laughs>
0: that's so my wife, that,
1: That's my wife. You guys didn't you guys didn't comment on the trimmed up size a little bit. She didn't do bad although at the end of it she did think she totally butchered it and had tears well, in her
0: eyes. I felt bad. Would you well, do it again? your your picture is this big on my screen, I mean, I can't even see see, see your hairline. Right, hold on. I'm, I'm okay. sure it sure looks great.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm hiding it a little bit. I put a lot of gel in it, but we're all learning new new skills. Oh, man, guys,
2: do it again. In a world in a world that is back to normal, which who knows if that ever happens. Would you do it again? Would you let your wife cut your hair again? <laughs> <Would> you? <laughs> she's no, she's
1: watching. <laughs> no, she had a she had a breakdown. She really was like so scared of messing it up. And I was like, no one's hair looks good right now, anyway. I was like, don't be worried at all. <laughs> Sounds like Not you got the- a good wife, man. If she cares she about is, you that much, she she, she, <laughs> she really does. She oh, did yeah. well. She did well, guys. That was uh, that was a lot of fun. Episode <laughs> one of all things dot dot dot
2: sports are coming back at least at least partially here, guys. Well done. The sucker Thanks, moves, man. The sucker moves. It's like if a topic comes up, you better have your three bullet points ready to fire or else you're moving on to you're moving on to that next topic real quick. Yep. And, oh, and I'm, I'm finding good. a picture out there that's going to
1: embarrass you and you,
2: you better be ready. <laughs> no one is safe. I'm still right, checking guys. the contract on uh, you producing and directing this thing every week. So. I have
1: no idea what I'm doing, but I feel like that went about as well. Pretty damn good.
2: good, man.
0: <laughs> Super producer. All right,
1: Go guys. Till next time. All things dot 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 episode one in the books.